This is Beyond Belief Sobriety, a podcast and community for people who are seeking or who have found a secular path to recovery from addictions of all kinds. Hello, and thank you for taking some time to listen to this podcast. I hope it's a good experience for you and that it helps to add a little something extra to your stockpile of recovery capital. This episode was recorded a few years ago for a podcast I was doing at the time with my friend Ben that we called My Secular Sobriety. We stopped producing that podcast because doing one podcast at a time is really enough for me, and the material that we covered on that podcast is pretty much the same as what we cover here. At any rate, this conversation that we had with Robert Stump, the executive director of Life Ring Recovery, was a really good one, and I thought it would be great to post that here on Beyond Belief Sobriety for the listeners who may have never heard it. But before we get started, I would like to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Soberlink. If you're seeking a tangible way to maintain accountability and prove sobriety to loved ones, you have to try Soberlink. If you haven't heard of Soberlink, they've created a remote alcohol monitoring system that revolutionizes the way people document sobriety. This system includes a breathalyzer and uses artificial intelligence to display your test results in a calendar format, helping you analyze your habits and prove to yourself and others that you are, in fact, not drinking. It even has real-time results, facial recognition, and tamper detection, so no one will question the validity of your results. Soberlink and I have created a guide called Five Tools and Strategies for Those on a Secular Path to Recovery that you can find at Soberlink.com BBS. So if you're ready to take the next step in your recovery journey, mention the Beyond Belief Sobriety podcast when ordering Soberlink and you'll receive $50 off their device. And now, episode 265, Life Ring Secular Recovery. As you pointed out, I am the executive director of LifeRing. I've been here since 2012 um, after the founder stepped down, uh, uh, Marty Nicholas. Uh, he's, still, he's still alive and well, works. He lives in Berkeley, California, and he's actually um, updates the books. We sell a, a series of books that he's written, and he'll peri- periodically come in and update stuff as need be. So anyway, like I said, I was, I've been here since 2012 in an official capacity. I actually was, I drank for about 35 years. Alcohol is my choice of a drug. Um, And I went into recovery um, three times in 10 years. I started maybe when I was 55, I'm 67 now. Um, but in 97, 2003, and I might've been younger than that, maybe that time frame. but I, I know in, in 1997, 2003 and 2006, I went into a recovery program, Kaiser out here in the Bay area. Uh, it was a 90 day program. It was not in-house. It was outpatient, hmm. um, service. Uh, you had to go to two, three outside meetings a week initially it was three then they cut it down to two in the third month um the first time i survived eight months the second time i survived 
almost to the end of the program, started drinking the last week of the program. And the third time in 2006, I had 14 years of recovery. Um, now, I, I kind of give you that history because initially in 1997, the only program that was available to me was the 12-step program. Uh, AA was, you know, I tried my best. Uh, and I, I forced myself to go to meetings because it was the only game in town. Uh, it was a, for me, my worldview, it was a bizarre situation. Yeah. Uh, I just did not. Um, and it, also, it is interesting. I went to a number of meetings. I didn't go to any uh, atheist or agnostic meetings. I know they exist in the Bay Area. But uh, then I didn't. I didn't know what. Actually, I didn't know what I was why I didn't connect. The crowd I couldn't connect with. It wasn't part of my tribe, et cetera. Um, my religious um, upbringing, I had 13 years of Catholicism uh, education. And I actually sang in the choir and participated in church every Sunday mass all the way up to uh, right before the first time I went into recovery. Um, so they had a long time there of uh, participating in, the, in, in, in the Mass and, and being a Catholic individual. Um, so anyway, it fundamentally tr came down to spirituality and the fact that I didn't believe yeah. that something like that existed. Mm -hmm. that, um, so, the, I mean, that's the main issue I had. The 12-step itself, I had issues with with. Uh, uh, you know, first of all, giving myself up to another entity, mm -hmm. which didn't make any sense to me. I got myself in this situation. Right. I had best yeah. get myself out of this situation. Yeah. At three o'clock in the morning, uh, when I'm by myself, I mean, it's there's nothing going to come into the room or shine upon me or uh, my friends aren't going to be there. I got to figure out some way of dealing with this on my own. Uh, and it took a while. I mean, recovery is a slippery slope, they say. Uh, vast majority of people don't make it the first time or second time. Or, you know, for some people, it's a continual process. It's a journey. Yeah. Uh, hopefully at the end, you die sober and not under the influence. But, you know, those are decisions you have to make. So anyway, the third time, the uh, second time, actually, Life Ring was available in 2003. Life Ring started in the Bay Area in Oakland, California by Marty Nicholas. Um, and it was slowly building up meetings. There were meetings out in the facility I was in. Um, 2003, I started going to those meetings and AA. Uh, but like I said, I started drinking almost at the end of the 90 day uh, program, mm -hmm. second time. Um, so 2006, I go back in there um, and it, they, they had five life ring meetings, almost one meeting a night. So I, I took that up. I finally committed myself to sobriety. I said I had to figure out uh, something, you know, because I couldn't continue what I was doing. It was getting pretty bad. Um, so I did that, went to meetings. Uh, I actually, Kaiser was a great program. Uh, I finally 
got, got what they were doing. I went to aftercare for two additional years, uh, one night a week. I took antabuse uh, for two years. Um, I did what I could to make sure I stayed on the straight and narrow. But I didn't go to AA meetings. That was good because that was a depressing situation. Yeah. So Life Ring was available. I came, became a convener. A convener is a person that kind of leads a meeting. Um, uh, second year out, I, I became a convener and I did that for a couple of years. I came into the, because um, the service center was Oakland, was located in Oakland, California. I got to know Marty. I went to uh, monthly convener meetings there. He asked for somebody to help out with the finance and I volunteered and it would progress from there. Well, cool. So uh, that's 2012. That's when I uh, took on the executive director. Okay. And what, nice. what do you do as, as executive director? Answer all the emails, uh, bookkeeping. We are a very, very small organization. Mm -hmm. We have 50 meetings in the Bay Area, and then it spreads out from there. Okay. We have uh, international meetings, Canada, England, um, Ireland, and Sweden. Uh We started a couple of meetings in Sydney, Australia, here in the last couple of months. Um, So it's, it's still, we are a very small organization, smart recovery is much bigger than us. Mm-hmm. So I'm pretty much the person involved. It's kind of a part-time job for me, but I enjoy it immensely Yeah. in yeah. terms of the administrative portion. So I do, it's a handyman type job. I just do everything that uh, needs to be done to promote the uh, name. We do have a board of directors, nine members, mm-hmm. and they uh, kind of do the long-term planning and fundraising, et cetera. Well, you know, I've been in AA for like 31 years, and um, I think it's great now that there are options for people who walk into the rooms of AA and find like you, it's totally not for them. And that's becoming, I think, more, <laughs> that's becoming more common now with uh, people that are now in their 30s and 40s. They they don't relate. And I think part of the problem is just the the ancient literature that is still used there. But anyway, I, became, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I just became interested in these other options like Life Ring. And I, I just think that we should give voice to organizations like this. I think 50 meetings a week sounds like a lot. Um, and that's that's insane. No, no. no. I said there are 50 meetings in the Bay Area. In the Bay Area. Yeah, yeah. that's pretty good. <clears throat> uh, in the nine counties surrounding the, 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 okay. uh, the San Francisco Bay. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that. That's good. It's nothing compared to the uh, 12-step phenomenon, yeah. which on every other corner, there's a, a meeting, but you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Robert, how does, how does one start a life ring meeting? Is it, do they need to contact you or is it, um, how does that work? Yeah, well, they uh, would have to contact me if they want to get listed on the website. Mm-hmm. Uh, six months of sobriety and um, uh, emails sent out. Um, Welcoming them. We have links on the website that they can go investigate. We have a, a starter kit for 50 bucks. They don't have to, um, you know, we're, we're willing to be flexible with the money. We're not there to make money. We're there to get the uh, word out. And, and the, the starter kit has, I have some books over here. They, uh, four books and pamphlets that uh, they get 
one book is How Was Your Week, which is actually how to uh, fundamentally run a life ring meeting and all the um, do's and don'ts and you know things to watch out for and how to get a location and mm-hmm. uh, what to do with the people once you have them, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. How might a typical meeting operate? Like how, how would it open and what are the types of things that people tend to talk about? And, and could okay. you compare that with your experience in AA? Well, AA is, a, is, is not quite uh, a flat organization. It is pure uh, uh, leadership, only they're in the front and you're in a row. There are some meetings you go to there in a circle, stuff like that. But anyway, a traditional AA meeting, 12-step meeting is you're in a row and you're looking at these people that are supposed to be kind of more knowledgeable than you. Let's mm-hmm. put it that way. Um, in a uh, life ring meeting, you sit in a circle, chairs are in a circle. Um, you start by, uh, I, I give an opening statement about what the concepts of life ring is about. Life ring is about in terms of uh, the three S's, sobriety, secularity, and self-help. Um, explain a little bit about those three concepts. Then I ask um, that we normally do the meeting by a how was your week concept because normally most people early in recovery, they can't think long-term. They can, they can barely think about yesterday. Right. So um, you give an account of, um, if you wish to, um, you know, how your week is this week or what you think is going to happen next week. You, uh, for me, uh, conveners are, are given a lot of leeway in how they handle the group dynamics of the meeting. So I will also say if there's something that's bothering you, if there's something that was wonderful that happened to you, uh, you can also talk about that too. Mm-hmm. Um, crosstalk is allowed. So people can comment. They can say, yes, I I. I agree with that or that concept didn't work for me but here's what i did so it's a best practice type of um, uh, concept where you kind of try to the group talks out what they think works best for each individual because it's not going to work for the other individual but they share these ideas and they um kind of bond in the meeting now i do a um um ironically at the same facility that I went to for the three times in recovery, I do a, uh, a meeting there at 1230 on Fridays where the people are in uh, early recovery from mm-hmm. one day to four weeks. And then once they're done with that program, they put them into the 90 day program. So I have these people only for four weeks. Um, and it's just phenomenal to see uh, for the most part, how they blossom, how people mm-hmm get better over week after week. And so in that meeting, Kaiser kind of says you have to go to it. Um, but I tell the people, no, that, you know, that, uh, you, you're not required to come to this meeting. Right. Um, it is an outside meeting. So I, I can write, uh, they can get credit for going to the meeting, just like mm-hmm. they can for a 12 step meeting. Um, well, even alone, even alone, that is great to have that choice. Choice and recovery is so important. That's yeah. fundamentally what I 
uh, go for. I don't, uh, you know, I, I uh, say lifering is an option and you might like that option, but check out for women, women for sobriety. Right. Um, DOMA, they used to be um, refuge recovery. Now they're DOMA recovery, mm-hmm. a Buddhist based recovery uh, system. Check that yeah. out. I, I, and check out the 12 step program and take the best of all those concepts and meld them together so they are uh, an internal part of you mm-hmm. because you know you're supposed to you you would assume you got to do this the rest of your life right would you, know, you have you ever had have you had uh would you say a lot of people that come to life ring or people have tried aa and end up like i don't like yeah that? in the bay area and that's the only vast portion of experience i have most people go to AA and LifeRing. Mm-hmm. It's a, we don't, you know, we're a, a neutral organization. Right. We don't care where you get your uh, support from, where you figure out a plan. The third part of the three S is, is self-help. Right. And in that, yeah. it, it incorporates, incorporates a concept of uh, figuring out something that will work for you hopefully for the rest of your life to keep sober and to have a quality of life. If you're not happy, you're probably not going to stay sober. Absolutely. So you have to, it's a, it's a, a multifaceted thing you have to figure out Mm -hmm. um, to replace what you've been doing in the past. Now it's hard. I, you know, you, you observe this, or at least I, I see it. People with mental illness who've been masking that. Right it's much more difficult for them to figure out stuff mm-hmm. until, uh, you know, the longer they're sober, the more stable they become. And uh, it seems to work uh, better, but that's, that's a um, subgroup of people that um, sometimes have a difficult time. It would appear. Yeah, for well, sure. Life ring doesn't have like a, a set program, like uh, you know, that you follow. It just allows people to find their own, yeah, it's a one-hour thing, so it doesn't go on forever. And it's, it, it like I said, you go in a circle, and, and I didn't mention this before, but normally a person starts, they say their first name, they indicate their last drug of choice and how long they've been clean. Hmm. And then they say, how was your week? Or, you know, they go on a topic. And they're done. Then it goes, they pick a direction, and it goes to the next person. It goes all the way around the room. Sometimes, usually, actually, most of the time, because the way people share and stuff, that takes up the hour. Sometimes it's emotional, especially people early in, you know, the first couple of days or weeks in recovery. Uh, it's an emotional experience because some of them have never experienced this before. Uh, recovery, not the meeting itself. Right, but, right. And, but, and um, they like the crosstalk. They yeah. really do like the fact that they're able to discuss and other people are able to comment and that's what they totally miss from the AA. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. If they had 12 steps and crosstalk. Well, depending on the meeting, you'll get that too. (laughs) Yeah. Well, there's some in the Bay area that I think do that. Yeah. And do Um, you, um, do the people that go to the meetings, do they socialize afterwards? Is there kind of like a community outside the meeting? No, see, that's the problem. I mean, there are some fundamental differences. There's also, uh, in terms of people like this, and some of these people continue on, but there seems to be 
a difference in the the type of individual that likes life ring or likes the 12 step program mm-hmm. you know and no we're not a social we try to be i mean there are conveners that will go out to dinner afterwards mm-hmm. with you know people that in the group there are conveners that will organize an event a bowling event or uh, but that is really on an individual basis what those conveners do we don't have any uh, uh, group-wide uh, initiative to incorporate these people in a, in a social right. group environment someday maybe but yeah. these these people are usually like me especially the more long-term individuals who keep going back to meetings and meetings. And we're not required. We're not telling people they need to keep coming back. Right. Some programs. I mean, use, use the program as you need it and go out and enjoy life. If right. you don't need it. Right. Right. So there's no mandatory thing that you've got to keep coming back. Uh, yeah. But some people do. Yeah. Um, I think it's that it's that all or nothing thinking that often turned me off and turns me off from AA. Like if you're not here, you're running a risk or you're in trouble. Or if you haven't seen somebody in a while, they're always seem like they're shocked to think that you haven't drank. If you see them later, you know, Oh, well, you're gone for so long. I'm sure I would have been sure you drank or something, but I, I, like you said earlier about the choice, the choice is important. And I think sometimes that's where the tone of AA meetings misses the boat. It's like, if you don't agree with, most of what you hear, everything what you hear, well, then you fit in this category of sliding down that slippery slope and you're in trouble. And then it almost becomes a self, self-fulfilling prophecy. Yes, I think so. Especially mm-hmm. when they're forced into the program. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And we do get better. I mean, you do get to a point where it's, it's your sober life becomes the normal life and the risk of drinking is much, much reduced to where um, I think a person could go on with their life and enjoy their life and they don't necessarily have to attend meetings, you know, um, for, forever. Um, I'm, I'm just kind of realizing that now it's taken me a long time, but um, I'm almost ready to retire from being in recovery. And I don't know, <laughs> but on the other hand, I enjoy it too. I enjoy, I enjoy watching people get better. I enjoy, I enjoy seeing mm-hmm. people get their lives together. And the whole um, recovery um, community, and especially what's happening now with um, more, more options becoming available, is is interesting to me too. So I kind of like being part of it for that reason as well. Yeah. But yeah, we do get better. There's no reason that we have to think, in my opinion, that you know we're somehow, you know, diseased forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you believe in that concept, yes. Yeah, I guess you could. <laughs> Yeah, uh, but you gotta you, you do when you reflect the twelve step program is a social program. Mm-hmm. I think that's part of the strength. Yeah, I do too. Yeah. And a lot of people, probably not me, but a lot of people feel the 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 comradeship supports them, and that's why they go the twelve steps. Yeah, you right. know they 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 might eventually get to that. They might get a sponsor. I mean, it's kind of pushed on you evidently, Mm -hmm. but I know there are people that go to these meetings, but they don't have sponsors or they're not doing the 12 steps, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, but it's the social thing. And because they're in a a tribe like them, they're, they're surrounded with people that, and, you know, it's not as that last week, we both think that that's the great strength of, I think really almost any support, system is that connection that you have with other people that are like you 
mm-hmm. that, have, that have had the same problem, you know. That's why church, I mean, yeah, in yeah, essence, yeah. Uh, people will disagree with me, of course, but in essence, the 12-step program is a religion. It is. It was uh, yeah, I agree. And it uh, offers the, all the good benefits of a religion. Mm-hmm. You know, religion's not bad per se. No. Um, it offers a lot of um, uh, social, uh, you know, interactions and, and you get sick. People come and visit you, stuff like that. I mean, there's. I think. The, go ahead, Robert. I'm sorry. No, no, I'm 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 done. I was going to say, I think <clears throat> along the lines of what we've been talking about, and I think where my concern falls with AA as well as religion, it's like if you ever express anything that is outside the norm or even remotely would challenge anything, like bring up a question, it seems like there starts to be that subtle shunning or that pushing away that it's almost like it feels like a punishment of taking <laughs> away your community if you dare speak out. So then it's um, the yeah. counselor in me says that somewhere each individual person has to dig in emotionally and figure out what is their truth, what is true for them, and to have a safe place to express things like that that tend to be more secular, like smart or life ring. I'm loving what I hear about that. And just be able to express that and have a place where you're accepted where you're at, which hasn't always been my experience either with religion or in most AA rooms too. Well, I'll tell you one of the strengths I see from LifeRing as compared to even the secular AA meetings is that LifeRing takes it all off. It takes that subject, whether you're an atheist, agnostic, or religious person, it doesn't, it's not even material, you know? Mm -hmm. And whereas with a secular AA meeting, there's that thing that says, you know, we're secular, we're not, and there's, and there's that dynamic involved with it. You know, where I, I think it would be ideal just to have where, you know, yeah, if you're religious, if you go to church, that's great. But that's not what this is about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. What you use for your personal strength, mm-hmm. and I say this in the meeting so that people don't think we're an atheist group or whatever. Oh, yeah. You got to use what, what tools you have to, to keep you sober. Yep. And you use the whole bag of tools. And if you're a religious person, a spiritual person, definitely use that yeah. to uh, keep you sane and sober. You know? And I was reading on the website, um, LifeRing website, that probably about 40% of the people that go to LifeRing meetings probably um, are just like the reg- rest of the population. About 40% of them do go to church, are religious, yeah. and, then the, and then the rest aren't. But it's not even an issue. It's not something that ever even comes up. Right. Just like in normal society. It's not like we talk about our religion and at work or, or any other part of our life. It's just, it's something that should be private, I think, not part of our recovery. But I'm finding more and more people that um, that is really important. They're, they're, they don't want their belief to be involved with a serious problem like addiction and overcoming addiction. You know, it just doesn't make, it just doesn't make sense to have that be the, be the answer. So it's great to have these, it's great to have these options. It's also, you know, it's, it's because we are of a um, Christian background, Judeo-Christian mm-hmm. background, Muslims, how do they deal exactly. with this whole situation? Right. Yeah. You know, we, we get a lot of them in our group. They're, they're mm-hmm. very religious, mm-hmm. but they're not forced to acknowledge a Christian God right. Uh, right. in order to re- be in recovery. Yep. Yeah, I really brought that up many times when I was more active in my home group in uh, in Lincoln instead of up here in Omaha, and people would be kind of flabbergasted. They never really thought about that. And, you know, we have 
we have certainly a decent enough population of minority religions in in all these areas and it's uh that no one considers that part it seems like mm-hmm. well, I, yeah. I'd like to see a life ring i'd like to see it grow more in this area too i don't know if we have any meetings in in uh, kansas city um or this vicinity. no yeah no, yeah. you don't yeah it's and, it's it's so hard mm-hmm. it, it's a matter of hard. luck um Smart got a over a hundred thousand uh, dollar donation when they were starting uh, from a uh, benefactor, and they they obviously run a different model than right. than uh, LifeRing does. We, you know, we have no professional people in our organization. Okay, in the leadership portion of it, nobody yeah. has, and I'm not sure what we'd do if somebody did. Uh, uh-huh. We'd probably accept them. I mean, but we we would say you got to put the therapist's hat here because right. you are a person in recovery, and that's how you approach, you know, convenience. Yeah, it's it's more real peer to peer. I, I I'm learning more about reco- um, smart. I'm taking the the smart training just to learn about it. Yeah, and um, yeah, it, it seem it does seem like it's got that component that I'm a little concerned about, where it's like the person who facilitates the meeting has some sort of expertise or something. Um, and it, it just puts, it puts a lot of pressure, I think on the person who's running the meeting and it's just kind of a different dynamic, but I don't want to judge it yet. Cause I'm still learning about it, mm-hmm. but, but that, that is different. That is different from what I'm used to. And I think it sounds like it's different from life ring too. Yeah. It's more of a top down because there's yeah. an instructor and there are people that listen. They do talk. There is crosstalk in the meeting and stuff like that, but it's yeah. a completely different model. Yeah, and there are benefits to that model. That's why they have a lot more meetings. Yep, mm-hmm. yep. I think uh, something you said, Robert, made me think about this too. Like in early recovery, it can be so tough, and it's emotional for a lot of people when you're first contemplating getting sober or actually doing something about it. And I don't know if I'm making too big of a blanket statement, but it's like sometimes the twelve-step groups provide this perfect—not perfect, but this structured format that says this is the answer, and that appeals to some people, whether it I does, think it's yeah. true or not. But it's also like my father-in-law, who is always constantly looking for the perfect diet that is going to make everything <laughs> click, and his workout schedule, and how many miles he rides on his bike. There's like some perfect number to reach that is going to result in some optimal result, and as a somebody who used to be a counselor, um, th- I think sometimes that's the mindset that we have to get over on some level, like that life ring proposes. If you go to AA grade, if you go to smart grade, if you heard a podcast where you heard this great saying, great, mm-hmm. take from everywhere around you that you can get the truth. And it's, it's more of an internally motivated, emotionally based uh, therapeutic process, I think, rather than you're doing it right. You tell me how to do it. And this person's doing it right. Well, now let me try that instead of it's like, grab all that stuff and form your own thing here about what's working for you. Because sure as heck, I know what works for John or what works for you is at least a little bit different than what, than what works for me. And I think more people are doing that, Ben. I think mm-hmm. that, I think the vast majority of people who are getting sober today are not getting sober in the rooms of AA or maybe even any other program. Uh, but I'm seeing a lot of people just connecting online. The YouTube community, for example, 
the people that are helping mm -hmm. each other there. Absolutely. Um, people on Twitter, social even, media, you know? tw all kinds of things. Yeah. It's amazing. And what's happening, and it's really kind of, you know, it's under the radar, but, you know, people are meeting online and oftentimes that will turn into real, you know, face-to-face -face, um, relationships, mm -hmm. but, but there's, and there, it's more of a mix and a match type of uh, approach, which, which is smart, really. Right. So. Well, I even say this in the secular community amongst AA, and I know we're not trying to just talk about that. It feels like there's more of that going on than, than when my experience more in traditional AA. It's more about people getting to know each other. And I know AA is a social thing too, but it seems like it's more beholden to this hallowed 12 steps. And that's what I really like from what I'm hearing about Robert about Life Ring is that it's, no, it's about us humans right here who are sitting meeting right now in this room and talking. Yeah. You know, you were talking about the social stuff and YouTube stuff like that. I think people are being exposed to the concept that you have permission to do it your own way. Mm-hmm that you don't have to do it this way or that way. Yeah. Uh, and some of the braver people, not everyone, obviously, but some of the braver people are saying, yeah, that's right. Mm -hmm. I can do it my way. Mm -hmm. um, I also like the growing movement. I see of people who are um, coming out openly as being in recovery and not hiding in their, in their anonymity. Mm -hmm. um, that I think is a, is really important um, that, I'm, I'm, I'm getting to be more that way that it's not like I wear it on my sleeve or anything, but I don't necessarily want to hide from the world that I'm in recovery because there's nothing wrong, wrong with that. And it's good for people to know that, yeah, you know, this is a, this is a problem that human beings have and there it's possible to overcome it. Yeah. I mean, I've never been, been anonymous and I didn't have a high stake job Yeah, uh, when I was working. Uh, I, it doesn't bother me to say what I, my roots, where yeah. I came from. In fact, it is a source of strength. It's not yeah. shame for me. Yeah. You know, I got 14 years now. Yeah. Soon I will have more years with my counting my youth, more years on earth than a uh, sober than under the influence. That's yeah. nice. Awesome. Yeah. That's great. I'm I'm finding it more accepted too. just like we've got two young kids. And so I'm interacting with more other people's uh, other kids, parents. And so, you know, I don't just immediately say, Hey, I don't drink. But if some, another parent is talking to me about going on a golf trip and they talk about all the crazy stuff they do and party and stuff. And I'll say like, Oh yeah, I used to do that, man, but I kind of lost my right to do that. And I, <laughs> I get a lot more people like nodding and grinning and laughing and being more accepting of that mm -hmm. than I used to. Um, um, whereas in, maybe, maybe it was the way I phrased it in the past too. It was too much AA lingo when I would talk about it, but, um, it's, it does seem, and I think for a while there, it got kind of trendy to be sober, you know, uh, even amongst Hollywood and stuff like that, people were wearing it on their sleeves a little bit more. And some people think that's bad, but I, I think it's great. Anytime anybody talks about it, just like you guys are saying. Yeah. Yeah. Guilt is one of those things that's not talked about much, but is so such a heavy burden mm -hmm. in, uh, you know, I'm going to say it in the, tw what I was exposed to in the 12 step program mm -hmm. and still what I'm exposed to. I mean, there are people that will argue with you and say, Oh no, this is this and that. I, I find because of the religious component component and Adam and Eve and, the, you know, original sin and you have to be washed clean and mm -hmm. you got to keep going back and, I, I just, but it's that 
burden. You know, if you don't do the 12 steps, you're not clean. You still have guilt, you know, it just, it, it can, I guess some people can handle it. It would just, I would think it would destroy other people. I find it interesting too that like, um, well, for smart, that whole idea of looking at your past, you know, your, your, uh, you know, all the resentments and all the problems that you had in the past is less important than figuring out what's going on today in the here and now. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, okay, so I'm behaving this way now. Why am I behaving this way now? What is it that's going on with me today? That's, in, that's affecting me rather than looking back in the past. Uh, that's kind of interesting. I mean, I kind of found, I found some of that stuff kind of helpful, I guess, but maybe it really wasn't necessary to do all of that. Yeah. yeah. I drank because I loved the taste of alcohol. I loved the way, what it did to me. And, you know, I'm becoming, when you talk about it, you have these reflections and you, you, you create stories in your mind as to Mm -hmm. how things progressed and whether it actually happened or not, nobody knows, but it seems to, I do remember the first time I drank and the, 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 it was the greatest experience in the world. And it really helped with social lubrication. I, I was able to, to mingle with people and, you know, it was, it was wonderful. And I found that I was able to, over time, I was able to consume a lot more and than other people and still function what apparently, you know, uh, until later in life, um, all, you know, I was able to function all right. So I had a, to- a higher tolerance for it, uh, which was my downfall. But uh, it it seems to me that w- when I continued to drink, I was trying to recapture that first experience. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because it was just it was a you know <laughs> I just wonder if that's what people are trying to do. You know, yeah. not people that are mentally ill or have emotional issues that are masking or, or somehow. I don't, I don't have emotional, you know, I'm not, I don't, I've never been under the care of anything or taken any uh, stuff for mental illness. So, and abuse and stuff. I don't think I ever had that. At least I don't remember. Mm-hmm. I think I drank because I just enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah. And to a certain point, I guess it doesn't really matter. And I, I also think that I, I think the same way. I mean, I, I had all kinds of things going on in my upbringing but the bottom line was I, I somehow became addicted to alcohol. And I, I think it's because of what was going on in my brain. That's just what I think. But it doesn't, doesn't really matter when it comes down to how I stay sober, you know, really, which is to not drink. That's, that's the thing about life ring. Life ring is, is abstinence-based. Um, and, you know, so, so is, um, so is um, smart. But we were talking to someone. But, but. Yeah, right, but. <laughs> We were talking with Sally last week about harm reduction and it's not necessarily everybody in smart is, is, is expected to have abstinence as their goal. And that's fine. That's I, fine. Isn't it? Yeah. yeah but it is different. I, yeah. I just, people, you know, in the opening statement, I'll say, uh, you know, Lifering um, is, is soberly based. We're, we're absolutely, we're absent. You know, we don't drink mm-hmm. or use, mm-hmm. um, but, it doesn't mean that you can't moderate. And most of you in the room have tried to moderate. Right. You know, it always comes back that they've tried to, you know, it's just natural for somebody that abuses 
right. uh, something to moderate it and try to control it. But there's plenty of people, you know, you get myopic because you think, you know, alcohol and drugs are so bad. 70% of the population, 80% have no problems right. with using right. it. That's it's just right. that 20 or 30%, you know, the people here in this room, you can't do it. Now, does uh, that also welcome people that have like um, eating disorders and other we things? no, okay. I mean the board made a decision uh, not that we cannot uh, financially support it or or mm-hmm. we we or listed on the website at this point, but we certainly when I talk to people I tell them go ahead use the yeah. concepts if the, if it works for you because yeah. I do get calls for sex addiction gambling etc. The other thing is Al-Anon. I get calls for people who want to know if Lifering has a partners or loved ones uh, yeah. program, which we don't. No. We're no, just too small. A need for that. There's a big need for the secular um, family organizations. There's not a lot of it. There's a couple of secular Al-Anon meetings that are coming, uh, that are starting up, but that's just now um, a new thing. So... Well, Robert, I really appreciate you doing this. It was very, very nice of you. And yeah. I would really love to speak with more people from uh, Life Ring. So if you would let, let anyone know that um, if they would like to come on just to share their story, I would love to have that. Um, I think I really want this to be a platform for um, secular options other than the 12 steps to be, um, to be given voice to. And uh, so that's what this is all about. So thank you for participating. I really appreciate that. Okay. I can yeah. share your email address with um, maybe other board members or mm-hmm. I'm not going to publish it and put it out in the world, but uh, some yeah. select people. Okay. That'd be great. And see if they, you know, want to participate. Well, that's wonderful. Well, thank you so much. I okay. That's another episode of Beyond Belief Sobriety. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to support our podcast with recurring monthly contributions, head on over to patreon.com slash beyondbeliefsobriety or become a member of our YouTube channel. If you'd like to make a one-time contribution, then visit our website beyondbeliefsobriety.com and click on the donate button. I do appreciate your support. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back again real soon with another episode of Beyond Belief Sobriety.